Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. It is Sunday night, and Rob and I are here to talk about some UVA sports. And speaking of Rob, how are you doing today, Rob? Pretty good, man. It's Tech Week. It's Tech Week. It's uh, Beat Tech Week, Rivalry Week, Turkey Week, however you want to say it. You know, just got to win. Just got to win. And we're going to talk a lot about that. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Georgia Tech game uh, that happened yesterday. But first, we're going to talk some basketball. And UVA men's basketball beat... Coppin State by a large margin on Friday. They won ninety-seven to forty. Rob, what was something you noticed just overall about the game? I guess first we got to talk about how the spread for that game was like thirty-eight points, <laughs> and I was like, everyone like take the on like no one. We're not going to win by forty points, and we yeah, won by fifty-seven. JK jokes, jokes on us, but. You know, we played, we played well. I don't want to read too much into Cop and State, but there's definitely some positive things. Really not many negative things. I don't, there might not have been a negative thing. I think it's hard to take away a lot from a game where we play one of the five worst teams in the country. So, but there were some positives that I want to talk about. And I was wondering uh, if you had maybe one player in mind who stood out to you besides DeAndre, who was just a monster yeah because deandre hunter really showed out right uh you it was his first kind of game where you're mm-hmm. like oh yeah that's right he's yeah. really good you know i don't know there are a couple of players you know mamadi diakite hitting some threes that was nice to know that when he's on the floor at least you know you, you have to respect the threat of his three-point shot mm-hmm. you know braxton keys just solid all around you and some other people were talking about him as a glue guy yeah. which i think is really fair and a glue guy with some offensive game too right which is nice for a change with all due respect to isaiah Wilkins. yeah he rob and i were talking before this that he's like isaiah but with a little bit more offense and not as like much he stills the hustle but like isaiah was like all heart and i haven't really seen that from braxton yet we have a lot we have two years of him left so we're good but I, i like what he brings to the table i think he's a great player i think i love what he does he had seven rebounds he had a couple blocks Mm -hmm. and he had one assist so you know he's kind of all over the place with his stats and he only had seven points but this is not a game where we really needed him to have points you know we had a lot of other guys step up yeah and you know it was also exciting to see jay huff you know jay huff continues to flash his offensive talent you know the the concerning part is that you still get see him getting pushed around a little bit Mm -hmm. you know he's not the biggest guy grabbing boards but you know, you see the talent. That spin move towards the basket there, yeah. was as pretty as it gets. Yeah, I was just going to talk about that. There was a sequence. He had that beautiful spin move towards the basket. It was gorgeous. I don't think anyone could have guarded that. And then on the next defensive possession, he just got absolutely bodied yeah. underneath <laughs> and easy layup. So by a guy smaller than him too. So I don't know. He he is a perplexing figure because his offensive game is uh, there. It's re- it's wonderful. You know, he he was one of one for three. He was three of four from two yeah he missed his only field goal or his free throw but and he only had one foul Mm -hmm. so he's there he's like ready to play the only thing is is his defense gonna stick up when we play teams with good bigs such as you know unc or duke duke doesn't have good bigs but they have good players so 
is he going to be able to see the floor because of his defense? Yeah, I mean, that's been the question with him for, you know, going over two years now, as long mm-hmm. as he's been in the program. Yeah. I, I want to talk about Mamadi for just a sec, because Mamadi had a fantastic game on Friday. He, uh, Jack was out. Jack Salt was out with a back stiffness, so hopefully he's all right. But we missed him on the defensive end. But Mamadi really stood out. He had 18 points in 22 minutes. He was two of two from three and five of seven from two. So he was really efficient with the Mm -hmm. ball. He only had a couple rebounds, but he only had two fouls as well. So his defense was better today. Two blocks. Two blocks, right. So I think this was Mamadi's kind of, not a coming out party because Coppin State, but he played a really good game in the absence of Jack Salt. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Jack Salt too is when he's on the floor, you can't stretch the floor with him. You know, he's under the basket. He's in the paint. Mm-hmm. That's where his strength is. And when you get Mamadi in the game, and when you saw how they did it, when they paired him with Jay Huff a lot, they mm-hmm. also would pair him with Braxton Key. That's how they started. But, you know, it's just a different dynamic. It's You can stretch the floor. You know, when Mamadi's in the game as the five, then everyone, it seems now, assuming Mamadi's, you know, threat from beyond the arc continues, which I think it will. We've seen that you know, and blue-white scrimmage and a couple other things. Mm-hmm. But you can everyone's a threat from beyond the arc when he's in the game now, you yeah. know, when he's playing the five. So it's a different element. You know, obviously, like Jay Huff, you want to see him get a little bigger in the paint. You know, you want to see him be more physical. And that might be the role Jack Salt has to play this year, where he's mm-hmm. the only guy that's really that big, you know, physical presence. But you got to be pleased with what you saw. And I think when Jack Salt's in the game, it's – it's more for a defensive reason. So it's like if we go, if we come across a team with a really good center, a really good forward who we need like a more physical presence for, Jack's probably going to play more of that game just because mm-hmm. Jack is not going to be pushed around by anyone because he's a bad man. But other than that, I think Mamadi is a great asset coming off the bench because his offensive game is there yeah. and we see it. And we didn't see it for the first two games of the season, maybe because of some rust or, you know, whatever. But we saw it to, uh, Friday, and hopefully he comes back with that yeah. because that's really useful for our team to have. I mean, 18 points and 22 minutes, 7-9 and nine field goals. Like, mm-hmm. You got to be happy. Yeah. But speaking of efficiency, I think we got to talk about DeAndre. Let's Hunter. talk about Dre for a sec because DeAndre had 20 points in only 16 minutes. He was 4-4 four four from 3. He was 3-5 from 2. He had one rebound, three assists, only one turnover and three steals. He had two fouls, which kept him out of the game for the a lot of the first half, but we didn't need him because he did all of his scoring in a very short amount of time. Yeah, I mean, it was the first game this season where you're like, oh yeah, like here he is again. You know, yeah. Not that he had played poorly in the other games, but he hadn't kind of dominated and taken over and looked like the NBA first round right. potential lottery pick that he is. And you really saw that. The, the, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but... We haven't needed him in the other two games because, you know, Kyle stepped up, Ty stepped up. Today was DeAndre's game, and Dre stepped up. We didn't need Kyle or Ty. Kyle only had seven points. Ty had 11 points. They both had really good games offensively, but they just didn't score a lot because we didn't need them to because mm-hmm. Dre did all the heavy lifting at first, really gave us a good lead uh, over Coppin State, allowed us to get some of our role guys in. But he looked unstoppable. Mm-hmm. and I know, once again, we're playing a team like Coppin State who probably did not have an answer for him, but he was getting whatever he wanted, whether he wanted to go to the basket, whether he wanted to shoot from outside. He could do whatever he wanted. He chose a lot of time to shoot, which was a good surprise for me personally because last year he shot some, but his game he his was the mid-range game mm-hmm. last year, the pull-up, create-your-own-shot, but this time he was making some threes, which was good to see. Yeah, I mean, really, like we've said, I think almost everyone on the team is a threat from three. Another guy, Kihei Clark, you know, he's a guy who had taken some threes, and some of them really didn't look pretty yeah. to start the season. He made he only went three of seven, but he made his last three. He made three, three in pointers. a row, yeah. So that was for me, that was comforting, because he's mm-hmm. a guy that's, you know, he's quick, but just with his size, when he gets to the rim, he's going to have trouble finishing. So you absolutely have to have that three-point shot you absolutely have to have just the distance and the ability to keep you know everything in front of you i i was really happy to see that because that was an area i was a little concerned mm-hmm. about through the first two games i'm gonna go way back and mention john tell evans john tell bub evans and 
you know, he didn't have a three-point shot. Not at all. And so when, whenever he would play, especially later in his career, people would just stand like five feet away from him because he had a good uh, dribble. Like he could take you off the dribble, but if you, he didn't yeah. have a shot, like he shot. They guard him from the free throw line. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> so, but now if Kihei can develop his shot a little bit more, you know, he shot 40% from three in high school. Mm-hmm. And I think that once he saw that first one go down, calm down a little bit because yeah. he was really like throwing them up there during the game and at the end of the first half he finally made his first one so i think it was good for him to see that and i'm also looking for the time when cody makes his first three yeah because cody's a guy i think who needs the confidence to really push his game forward well we were talking about this during the game cody statman again you know you can go all sorts of different directions should he have redshirted should he not have redshirted mm-hmm. regardless he's played in all three games mm-hmm. and this last game you know no threes went down but at the same time he showed a little bit of quickness getting into the paint that i didn't know he had mm-hmm. again cop and state late in the game playing mostly with the walk-ons at that point but i, I was pleased to see that at least that talent exists mm-hmm. to you you know Maybe he can be a little bit of a slasher at some point in his career. It's there, but you know he's he's small and the stage is really big right now, and so I think he just needs to grow into his new stage, his new setting, his new environment. And you know he was a baller in Australia, mm-hmm. and I think coming here now and he's playing against like a lot of really good athletes. Even for Coppin State, I think a lot of them are probably better than the competition he faced in Australia in high school. You know, so I think. Once he grows into it, I think he's going to be a really good asset for us, maybe one, two years down the road. But I, I liked what I saw from him. I think it's, I'm, I'm starting to like the decision more to not redshirt him. Cause I think, I still think it would have been good for him to get some time in the gym or in the, the weight room. The weight room, yeah. But I think that with him getting experience, you know, he'll be great either way because he'll get time in the weight room during acc season he's not going to play it'll much be during different ACC but yeah, yeah yeah you know it's i mean it's developmental player that's mm-hmm. all he is at this point you know anything you get from him this year and maybe even next year too is just bonus but the flashes were there and you can tell that he, he can shoot because he was four or four from free throw line mm-hmm. so he's got the stroke he he's got some some he wants to play and he wants to score so you can tell that uh his defense needs to work and mm-hmm. his the the pace needs work the pace of the game yeah hopefully he gets there we'll see we'll see i know one player also you wanted to talk about was marco anthony yeah yeah marco i you know he came in for sparingly in the first half and in the second half he played a lot more but i liked what i saw from marco anthony even though he was kind of silent on the stat sheet you know he was he only had one field goal he he didn't make a three he had two rebounds four assists uh no turnovers no fouls no steals no blocks but (laughs) <laughs> I mean, he played a solid game in the second half, and he his defense looked a lot better. He he can move the ball in offense. He he doesn't take bad shots or make bad decisions. He makes really good decisions, but he his offensive game is still not. It's being lost because of all the other people who are stepping up. You know, Dre had a good game. Mamadi had a good game. Mamadi and Jay both played a lot in the second half, so Marco didn't need to do much. But I liked what I saw from him. And a lot of people are saying, you know, not a lot of people, but people say that, you know, he, he's not as talented offensively as some of our other guys, or maybe his defense needs a little bit of work. You know, he he's kind of doesn't have quite of a role on this team. Mm-hmm. But I think his role is being able to come off the bench in crunch time and defend someone, especially if we get into foul trouble or if someone gets injured or suspended or whatever. You know, he can come off the bench and help us out in defense. And we might not need him for offense, but defense, he can help out. He kind of reminds me of, you know, very different players, but he kind of reminds me of that Evan Nolte role. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't entirely know, like, what he's going to, you know, this is before he had to start that second half of the season when Justin Anderson went down. Right. But when he would come to the game, you're like, I don't really know what to expect, but like, just don't mess anything up. You know, just know your role. Let the starters do their jobs you know, play the defensive scheme. Mm-hmm. And if something's there for you, take it, but you don't force anything, you know, with all due respect, you're not the star of the show. And, mm-hmm. you know, as long as he can play that role this year, I think but he'll I think, be good. But I think I he knows that. Like, oh, he knows yeah, he's not like the he star definitely of the show. Knows that. And I think that he understands his position and he knows that if he's smart with the ball, he'll get his playing time. Mm-hmm. You know, he had four assists, no turnovers. He only had two points, but Tony's going to play him if he can know the defense and if he is smart with the ball. 
Yeah. You know, this whole rotation is still evolving. Mm -hmm. So we'll kind of see over the next couple weeks who, you know, what this really looks like. And I guess like really the first glimpse we're going to get of this is maybe, you know, in legitimate competitive basketball is probably going to be this week as we kind of transition our conversation in it over to the battle for Atlantis. Mm -hmm. Virginia, if everything goes according to plan, has the potential to face some at least better teams than they've seen so far. So potentially some pretty good teams, depending on how the other half of the bracket looks. Right. So our first game is, is against Middle Tennessee State, and they're not a great team. They lost a lot of people last from last year. They're, they're one of those mid-major teams that you have seen in the tournament in recent years, but this year is not a year that they really are going to challenge us at all, I think. So hopefully on Wednesday, it's not going to be too bad. But after that, it can get pretty serious. We play either Butler or Dayton, Mm -hmm. right? And then from the other side of the bracket, we can play either Wisconsin, Florida, Stanford, or Oklahoma, all of which are good uh, D1 teams. Maybe not Stanford. Oklahoma's not as good as they usually are, but Wisconsin's pretty good. Florida was supposed to be good this year. Florida took that beating. And, you know, know, the last couple times we played Florida, it's been ugly. That's true. That's true. (laughs) So our history with Florida is not great, but I think... Honestly, we should beat any of these teams. My guess is that we will see Wisconsin in the final for Battle for Atlantis. Uh, Just because of how it's going to shake out. Wisconsin's been playing really good ball this year. Ethan Happ, uh, I think, is one of the most overrated players in the country. But his stat line (laughs) is really good this year. He is uh, averaging over 20 points a game. He has had several double-doubles so far. He's a good player. And he's kind of a stretch for, although he doesn't stretch anyone. He can't shoot. (laughs) So... It'll be interesting to see how we play them. And, you know, <laughs> the last couple of times we played Wisconsin has been dreadful, awful yeah, You games. know, we got two teams in this other half that's just like, you know, we should beat them this time, but the history is not always great yeah. there. You know, Florida, obviously, tons of bad memories. Mm-hmm. But they took, what, a 21-point beating in the opening game against Florida, Florida State. State. So that wasn't pretty, you know. Virginia, knock on wood, Virginia should win this tournament, I think. This I, is a turn it's a good tournament, but mm-hmm. but it's not, you know, one of those tier ones. Right. I mean if you look at this if you look at this field in past years, like history wise, like this is a good tournament. Dayton's a good mid major, Middle Tennessee State's a good major, Butler's a good team, Oklahoma, Stanford, Wisconsin, and Florida have all had good teams in the past. Mm-hmm. Virginia has been one of the best teams in the country in the past five years. So if you look at this tournament just like from what it is, you know, if you just glance at it, it looks pretty good. But if you go d- a little bit deeper, it seems like, well, okay, there's like a lower level with Middle Tennessee, Dayton, and Stanford, and Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And then there's a middle level with Florida and Butler, and then Wisconsin and Virginia are kind of the top, like, Yeah, top and I'd two. put Virginia, you know, a step above I Wisconsin, I would put Virginia, too. like, way above. I'd probably put Virginia, like, one, Wisconsin, two. Yeah. But, you know, we'll, that's why we play the games. We'll see what happens. Anything can happen. Even if we lose... In one of the earlier rounds, we will still play one of the other teams. Uh, we will play three games no matter what during this tournament. So it'll be interesting to see. And hopefully we can get some good games out of it. I mean, I really want to get some good games out of it just because, you know, our out-of-conference schedule just isn't that great. You know, right. Maryland will be a big game playing in Maryland. You know, South Carolina is looking pretty good at the moment. Mm-hmm. Marshall is a potential test. But, I mean, I've said this the whole time, you know, there's not there's not that marquee matchup on the non-conference schedule. So no. I think it's important that we get to play a team like Wisconsin. Yeah, I but, think that's good for our development. Yeah, Wisconsin might be the best, one of the best teams in the Big Ten. I mean, besides Michigan State, who hasn't looked very good so far. Wisconsin could very well be one of the best, best big teams. Sorry, one of the best teams <laughs> in the Big Ten. So I, it, it might be a good win down the line, and you never know. Now, the interesting thing is, is that the championship game is at 2 p.m. on Friday. And Which is the, a great segue. Yeah, but the uh, football game against Tech is at 3.30 p.m. So hopefully you have two TVs so that you can watch both. Yeah, well, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to see any of the Friday basketball <laughs> game. I'm going to be in Blacksburg. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe this is our transition over to football. I think that's Because fine. it's a football week. And, yeah. you know, I love the basketball team, but it's, it's a basketball season, baby. It's, it's, it's still basketball season. season. It's still football season. And, listen, I went down this rabbit hole today. And if you don't you follow know, if you don't follow Rob on Twitter, go follow him yeah. because he has this whole spreadsheet of 
all of our losses to tech the last 14 years. Yeah, it's really depressing. Spreadsheet is putting it nicely. It's just kind of me <laughs> writing, and I was like, oh, I guess I'll post this on Twitter. If you can but... read his chicken scratch, it has some really good information in there. <laughs> well, not fun information, I guess. Bad, but... <laughs> bad sad Real information. information. Real, Real information. Yes. So, obviously, a big week facing tech. You know, the initial line just came out. We're favored by four points, which is... You know, the second time since 24, or the first time since 2014, second time since 2003 that Virginia's been favored. It's also the biggest line. I think Virginia was only favored by one or two uh, when they were favored in 2014. Mm-hmm. But we got a lot of notes here. We got a lot of thoughts here because this is a game that I'm super excited about. And I think is really a season defining type of win yeah. uh, for this team, especially given how the coastal race has shaken out. I guess before we dive in there, we want to dive into what happened Saturday a little bit against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, you know, close game, overtime game. Uh, Dustin, you know, we watched that game. What what was kind of your thoughts throughout and then afterwards? My initial thought was disappointment because that was a game we should have won. And honestly, if you you watched it, our defense played outstanding against the Georgia Tech triple option. That is not an easy offense to stop. They did not score an offensive touchdown in the first half. That is incredible, especially for our patch patchwork defense. Yeah, to put it lightly, yeah. on the offensive line, Dylan Thompson started for God's sake. Like we don't have a lot of people to put up there. So that was a game we could have won and probably should have won if not for a couple strange calls and um, some things we can't control as a team. So one thing I know you want to talk about is the third and one. Uh, pass play yeah shot to the end zone shot to the end zone that was weird that was weird it wouldn't have been my play call but at the same time (laughs) you know it's not like virginia was doing anything great running the ball really that game either you know i think jordan ellis could have picked it up but jordan ellis you know did not have a great performance uh i should pull up the stats in front of me but it it really was an uninspiring performance he had something like 20 yards i think Mm -hmm. you know that's not that's not the play call I would have called at the same time, looking at how things were going. It certainly wasn't the highest percentage play call, but maybe it wasn't the craziest play call. Yeah. You know, there were just missed opportunities throughout this game. And, you know, we got to start with the defense because the defense played well and they played really well. You know, you start Eli Handback, you know, he's the one proven guy on the defensive line. You know, Dylan Thompson got the start. Dylan Thompson's interview post game. I was kind of joking about this during the game. I was like, maybe Dylan Thompson just gets the triple option. That's mm-hmm. exactly what he said in his post game interview. He was like, yeah, you know, I haven't played as well the past couple of weeks, but we started the triple option this week, and I was like, man, I kind of get this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> all right, man. It's his thing. He's a <laughs> triple took you four option and a half years to figure that out. A triple option specialist. But you know, the defense came to play, and you know, without Joey Blunt, Brendan Nelson is a smaller safety, but absolutely fearless against the run he made some great plays you know it came down to missed opportunities you know maybe we run the ball and we're able to convert that third and one and maybe you're able to get a touchdown there at the end maybe there's slightly better clock management on that last drive that said that last drive was a great performance by perkins Mm -hmm. and you know maybe you make the field goal you know and then the special teams we have to talk about the special teams. no we we made that field goal well in overtime in overtime overtime. yeah but you know, I want to go back to I want to keep talking about the third and one play because if we if you're going to pass it on third and one for the end zone, it looks like you're trying to score to win, mm-hmm. right? There's what less than a minute left at that time, so my thought was that they would at least go for it on fourth and one if they went for the end zone on that, which I would have been fine with, but they didn't, and they took the field goal, which was fine to get to overtime, but I really wish that they, I feel like they were trying to get to overtime at that point. Mm-hmm. And they said, all right, if we, we take a shot to the end zone, it wasn't a bad ball, but you know, Bryce is not known for like his passing. Like he's a good passer and he, he showed us that on that drive, but he's not the, uh, that his, his legs and yeah. Jordan Ellis's legs are what I would have trusted in that situation. Bronco also talks about putting his best, you're putting players in the best position to make their plays that they mm-hmm. excel at. And that ball was to Joe Reed, which, you know, his cease to ball came down with a 50-50 ball. It seems like he's the guy that right. you'd rather throw to in yeah. that situation. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And 
you know, I'm not going to blame blame Anai for that. He He's called really good games this year. I think that was just one call where <laughs> me, personally, <laughs> as a fan, would have done it differently. And once again, you know, we, we're not knowing what's going through their heads at that point. Maybe they thought that they had a good matchup on the cornerbacks. But, you know, they, they seemed like, it seemed like, we could have easily gotten a yard mm-hmm. from rushing. The fake spike was interesting too. And the fake, yeah, that was, that was. I don't know. There were some interesting play calls, but to me, it's. I think Bronco said it well. You know, I actually, I I enjoy listening to Bronco talk. Yeah. You know, he's very reflective, and you know, he's just an interesting guy, especially the way he views him his role as kind mm-hmm. of like a CEO overseer role, as opposed to like necessarily in the weeds. But mm-hmm. you know, I enjoyed. I thought he said it well that. You know, you can look at those instances and be like, oh, maybe we should have done this. Maybe we should have done that. You know, the bigger story was the special teams. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously the missed field goal is what stands out in overtime. But at the same time, you know, after the Bryce Perkins safety, you allow that punt return for a touchdown, you know. And then the punt that kind of reminded me against Pittsburgh, how that horse collar call kind of just extended their drive and allowed mm-hmm. them to get a touchdown. Yep. It was the same thing with that punt where it bounced off of uh, Darius Braden, which Bronco said was more on Tavares Kelly, the punt returner, mm-hmm. than it is Braden, just because Braden couldn't see it. And it was it's Tavares Kelly's role to clear everybody out. Yep. Apparently he didn't do a very good job of that. And he's a freshman and he's going to learn that kind of stuff. But, you know, those are the kind of plays that you wish you could have back because that's just a weird, awkward play. You know, yeah. the bounces not even like straight into him like glanced off his the back of his leg mm-hmm. so those, it, was, it it gave him a touchdown yeah. you know and it didn't help the defense which was very thin right and g- going back and looking at it you can say like this play this play this play but overall i think we had the tools to win that game and we had the heart to win that game and i hope it doesn't deter them from really trying this week against tech Well, I don't think it's going to deter them at all. To me, while there were mistakes and while there were obvious things you wish you could clean up, Mm -hmm. to me, just it was still an inspiring performance in many regards. You know, Bryce Perkins, I thought he was done for the season. Bryce Perkins on that safety, I was talking with some other people. I was like, all right, well. Rob, like, started crying (laughs) mid-game. He was like, oh, we're done. (laughs) That's it. Well, I was talking. I was like, all right, well, Brennan Armstrong's our quarterback. Uh And then what does that mean for the bowl game? Does that mean we play Lyndall Stone in the bowl game Mm -hmm. to not burn Brennan Armstrong's redshirt? You know, all these thoughts were going through my mind. Meanwhile, he throws a touchdown pass to Joe Reed. And then all of a sudden... Bryce Perkins is back in the game. And yeah. I'm like, what? That seemed... It was incredible. Not- I mean, it looked like a weird kind of twisted ankle thing. And you could see his whole leg was wrapped when he came back on the field. So I think it was just a high sprain that he just toughed it out. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a tough guy and he wanted to win that game. And he almost led us to a win. It, that drive was incredible. The drive was incredible. With a minute left. Besides a- besides the fake spike. Yeah, that was interesting. You know, <laughs> and let's talk about the fake spike for a sec because... When I, because he did that last week as well, yeah. and it all almost worked last week. But this week, the wide receivers had no idea what was going on. Like everyone stood still for about four seconds before anyone like moved. Mm-hmm. And I, like I, if you're gonna do that, fine. But at least tell people that you're gonna do it. You can't just expect them yeah. to to like know what you're gonna do. Because I really thought spiking it would have been the good deal there. Yeah, I agree. But you know that drive without really. We'll see. He still ran pretty well <laughs> yeah. after that injury. Uh, you know, it's still kind of TBD how he's going to recover and be for that tech game. But mm-hmm. his legs were still a threat, just not to the extent they were normally a threat. Yeah. You know, I, I say that he still hurdled a guy. Yeah, you could but... <laughs> you could still see him like go down a little bit earlier than yeah, he probably he came up gimpy a couple times. Yeah. But you know, that was a great drive. You know, that's the type of drives that uva doesn't normally make it's normally mm. the opposite you know we've yeah. seen that against louisville against <laughs> notre dame against so many other teams yeah. that it's like oh we're in a great position mm-hmm. but wait virginia tech many times too against virginia tech so yeah. you know to have virginia on that end of it i thought it was a really inspiring performance by bryce perkins and mm. he's the type of guy that this team has rallied behind the whole season and the guy that's if they beat virginia tech he's going to be the catalyst yeah i think I think he's the the right quarterback for this team, and I'm excited to see what he can do next week against Tech. It's being a Tech. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about that game. Rob, I know you're fired up. Yeah, I mean, to me, I don't want to sound over dramatic, but uh-huh. to me, this has been a really good season, one that's kind of exceeded expectations mm-hmm. for UVA football. On the opposite end of the spectrum is a Virginia Tech team that has 
just looked awful the last four weeks. Great. Awful. You know, they're Putting four and nicely. six right now. Yeah. They're four and six. It looks like they're falling apart. They've lost four games in a row. None of them were pretty. And mm-hmm. the fewest amount of points their opponent scored in any of those games was 31 points. They've also lost four straight home games. Yep. So they haven't won a home game dating back to September 8th against William & Mary. <laughs> Ooh. Put that together. They haven't won a home game since William & Mary, September That's bad. 8th. That's really bad. I mean, this is a team that's in shambles, and their bowl streak, if they don't beat us, it's dead. I, I want to talk about the game that happened on Saturday and the game that's going to happen on Friday. Because the game that happened on Saturday, while it would have been nice to win, in retrospect, doesn't really matter for the season that much. Mm-hmm. The game on Friday, I think, would be program-defining. Mm-hmm. Honestly. For Bronco to come in, beat Tech, who we haven't beaten in 14 years, in his third year here, I think that really sets the precedent going forward for this team. I mean, I think it has to. And, you know, you don't want to say that all your progress is lost with mm-hmm. if you lose to Virginia Tech. But at the same time, this is a game Virginia should... I mean, this kind of reminds me of the North Carolina game yeah. You know, when we played them earlier this season. This mm-hmm. is Virginia trending up and Virginia Tech, at least at this snapshot in time, trending down mm-hmm. you know they're just in shambles i mean you look at some of these scores you know uva versus georgia tech went into overtime as we just saw this weekend georgia tech wins 49 to 28 against virginia tech mm-hmm. boston college is a good team they won 31 to 21 mm-hmm. pittsburgh you know that was a great game in the first half until it kind of slid away with injuries in the second half yeah. against uva well pitt won the game against virginia tech 52 22 mm-hmm. virginia beats miami Virginia Tech loses 38-14. to 14. Yeah. You know, this is a team that's just not in good shape. And it is, you know, it's there's the rivalry aspect where you know Virginia Tech is going to come to play. You just mm-hmm. know it's going to happen. But this isn't a game where Virginia should be losing. Virginia is very clearly, or at least right now, the better, more mm-hmm. fundamental football team. Yeah. And the other thing is that if Tech doesn't win this game, they're not bowl eligible. Yeah. Especially e- even after that, they're not bowl eligible. They they have a, They'd a have to game beat Marshall. They, a game scheduled against Marshall tentatively. Tentatively, right? <laughs> if they can beat us, if they beat us first, then they will play Marshall. But if they don't, then they're just saying it's a blown season. So, I, yeah, the thing the thing I think that is going to matter the most to me, or some of the most, is how the players come out and if they are haunted by years past, right? The good thing is, is that our leader, Bryce Perkins, has never played Virginia Tech. The slate is clear for him. He has never lost to them. He's never beat them. Mm -hmm. So there's no reason he should have any, like, fears or anything. But I'm worried about some of the other guys who have only seen sorrow and sadness. (laughs) Well, I think this comes back to what we talked about. I think it was our first ever episode, actually. This whole Mm -hmm. beat tech mindset. You know, in the locker room, there's the beat tech on the wall. There's the countdown clock. You know, this is a game that our guys have been mentally preparing for, mm-hmm. for, you know, since the off season started. Yeah. I guess, I know when we were talking about it in that episode, I thought it was a good idea to have it. You weren't so hot about it. I mean, does mm-hmm. does your opinion change at all? Or My, I mean, my it, only worry is that they get too hyped on it and they don't focus on what they need to do to win. And honestly, I think that was some of the things that we saw early in the pit games. The players were so like, hyped up to be first in the coastal they were ranked it was raining mm-hmm. fans still showed up in the rain I, I, there was all this excitement and emotion and they lost it on a, a couple of plays and you could see that with the penalties but i i like that we know that this is an important game and i like that we're focusing on it focusing on it and but i just hope it doesn't get to their head mm-hmm. because if that happens then I, we could see some plays that go the wrong way for us i think i think that's why it's important to kind of keep winning and to keep learning you know we saw last year when we hit six wins that the Mm -hmm. team kind of fell apart after that yeah you know this year they hit six wins and then they go on and they keep winning games and being competitive in games thereafter Mm -hmm. against good competition right this year we look at it against pittsburgh that was a game that there was you know a lot of energy and it basically turned out to be kind of the de facto ACC Coastal Championship game. You know, if mm-hmm. Virginia wins that game, all of a sudden it's in a much different situation than Pittsburgh. Right. Um, or kind of in Pittsburgh's situation. You know, at, we lost to Georgia Tech, but 
you know, it's it kind of turned out to be, hey, like, when are this games going to the ACC championship game, which yeah. you didn't really know at the time. But they've been in that big game this year. And, mm-hmm. you know, they've Miami wasn't the same implications, but that was kind of a big game. It mm-hmm. hopefully had a similar feel to what it's going to be like in Blacksburg on yeah. Saturday. So I like the fact, you know, there's no way to prepare for beating Virginia Tech until you do it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like just having that experience against Pittsburgh will hopefully bode well for them. Yeah. The good thing is that Tech's defense sucks this year. So <laughs> that bodes well for our offense. And hopefully our defense can hold their rushing attack to a minimum because uh, they get about 160 yards a game. Then they pass for about 250 yards a game. So our, we know our uh, defensive backs are going to take care of business. You know, we have two of the best defensive backs in the country. Mm-hmm. Juan Thornhill has four interceptions, which is, I think, third most in the country, yeah, fourth it's, most. It's something high. And uh, Bryce Hall has the most pass breakups in the country. Yeah. So he is an amazing player. He is going up draft boards really quickly. I'm excited to see how we come out as a team and if we can handle the hype yeah. and the pressure. Well, I mean, as we kind of get down into the weeds a little bit, when we start talking, how do you do that? Uh I think on defense, it comes with starting Steven Peoples. Mm -hmm. You know, he's not had a great season, but he's kind of the best running back they got. You know, he averages about five yards a carry. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can take away that run game threat and put the hands or put the uh, put the ball in the game in the hands of Ryan Willis, you know, their quarterback, junior quarterback transferred from Kansas on the season, he's only completing, you know, 59% of his passes. You know, he hasn't turned the ball over a lot, but he also mm-hmm. hasn't thrown a lot. And yeah. I don't think he's faced a secondary like he's going to see, you know, against UVA on Friday. I think having that Bryce Hall matchup, 19 passes defended this season, mm-hmm. plus two interceptions. Yeah. Uh, you know, and having Juan Thornhill back there, you know, Brendan Nelson, we don't know if Joey Blunt will be good to go right now, but having him potentially back there. I think this is going to cause, I think this defense has the potential to cause a lot of problems for this Virginia Tech offense. Yeah. One thing I want to point out is that Tech has lost four in a row. And meanwhile, we just came off a game against Georgia Tech. And we all know that coming off games against Georgia Tech, teams do really badly after the games. It's some crazy number, but teams often lose the week after they play Georgia Tech just because it's so hard and so taxing to play that triple option. I'm looking to see, and I'm going back to mentality, I guess. You know, is Tech going to come out fired up, or do they think the season is lost? Mm-hmm. And for UVA, are we going to come out, are we going to be healthy? Are we going to come out strong? And are we are we going to be focused? I think those are the big keys for me. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all mental. You know, I think we saw that two years ago in 2016. Mm-hmm. You know, Virginia loses 52-10 to 10 when mm-hmm. they were 2-9 and nine at the time. They became 2-10. and 10. You know, there was... There's just nothing to play for. And yeah. I think they tried to come out there, but Tech was obviously the better team. Mm-hmm. And it was just a disastrous performance. Right. You know, I don't think that's going to come from Tech, but this Tech team is just... I was telling people earlier, if Virginia can't figure out a way to win this game... I've been to every UVA Tech game since 2011. Uh-huh. If Virginia can't figure out... You know, I just might be done going to UVA Virginia <laughs> Tech games. Like, this is absolutely a game Virginia should win. Right, we... we we look the better team. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing is like not even on paper like we we look like we are more confident, we look like we know what we're doing, we look like we're ready to play. And if you watched any of Tech's games, they look like kind of downtrodden, like there's nothing to play for, you know. I think that UVA should win this game. Yeah. And I hate saying that because I'm very superstitious and I hate saying that we should <laughs> win games, but this is a game we should win. I think, honestly, it's a game we need to win as a team. I think it absolutely is a season-defining win. Because I think it, it needs to happen. Because if we win the Tech game and we go to a bowl game, it doesn't really matter how the bowl game ends. This will be a good season for everyone. Plus, The, you the talk- fans will be happy. Fans are going to come next season. This helps recruiting. Mm-hmm. Everything, I think, hinges on this game. And this is the third year for Bronco. It's a really important year. So far, it's gone really well, but I think beating tech is that next milestone yeah i mean i think recruiting is a big part especially in state do you want to come play for a eight and four uva team uh that's got swag yeah swag surfing yeah uh tech would be four and seven if they lost this game three and five in the acc and they don't have any 
fun it looks like <laughs> on the field i mean Maybe. honestly it doesn't look like they have fun at all yeah well you know another thing i want to talk about with mentality so you know i went through this exercise uh-huh. i went through every box score dating back from 2004 to last year 2017 mm-hmm. and to me the most frustrating game i've been to as a fan was actually the 2014 game yeah. where that night game virginia was favored in mm-hmm. that game by one or two points and that was a game where Virginia took the lead. Zach Swanson touchdown reception, 255 remaining, made it 24 to 20. Virginia Tech needed a touchdown to win it. Mm-hmm. And then we come back. I think it was a roughing the passer call on Mike Moore that gave Tech an extra 15 yards. Mm-hmm. The next play, Bucky Hodges has like a really long reception, like 50 some yards. He scores a touchdown eventually. You know, Virginia loses that game. To me, that was the most frustrating. But the trend here is that 2015 was another similar game. Virginia was up in the fourth quarter. They were up 20-13 mm-hmm. to 13 in the fourth quarter before Virginia Tech scores a touchdown. Matt Johns throws a bad interception. Virginia ends up losing that game 23-20. to 20. Where I'm getting at with this is that our players haven't had kind of that heartbreak, here-we-go game against Virginia Tech. You know, mm-hmm. the only players that have were freshmen at the time. And yeah. that'd be like, you know, your Alameda Zacchaeus, mm-hmm. you know, your Jordan Nellis, So even though he wasn't a big role, he didn't have a big role in that game. Mm-hmm. But against Virginia Tech, really, it's been, for most of our team, it's been a 52-10 to 10 loss. And it's been a 10-0 loss last year where, despite the score, Virginia really wasn't in that game. You know, 202 rushing yards for Virginia Tech to just five for UVA. Mm-hmm. And what I'm ultimately getting at is that I don't think there's going to be this, oh, here we go again attitude Mm -hmm. from our players. I don't think this moment's going to be too big for them because, you know, you talk, Bronco talks about conditioning. Most of our players have only seen kind of dominant performances by Virginia Tech. Mm -hmm. They haven't seen kind of the backbreakers. And to me, I think that's important because this culture is different than what we've seen in the close games because I think this will be a close game. But our culture is different than it was in those close games, you know, three, four or five years ago. This culture is different. And we have a mentality about us where we can, even if a team is driving or if we're up in the fourth quarter, we're not saying, oh, here we go again. I mean, as fans, we might, but the players are not saying that anymore. <laughs> I'm still thinking. <laughs> I, I think it in my mind, I don't say it out loud, but <laughs> but the players are not saying it anymore. And, I, and you can tell because there's been a couple games this year where, you know, we've said, oh, here we go again. And it hasn't happened. Yeah. Or, you know. Or even if we end up losing the game like it happened against Georgia Tech. Right. That offensive drive at the end of the game was. It was uplifting. It, it was wasn't like. Almost. It wasn't like, oh, like we threw a, we got sacked three times and yeah. threw an interception on fourth and 30. You know, it, it, it's, it's improvement and you can tell and these players are ready to go. And I'm excited to watch on Friday. I really am. Yeah. I mean, as we kind of dive into the matchups, I guess a little bit. The thing that stands out to me is Virginia Tech gives up 32 points per game, and UVA's defense is doing a good job stopping people. Tech scores about 29 a game. Virginia holds them to about 21 a game. Mm-hmm. And to me, the biggest thing is the really good Virginia Tech teams that have come out the past decade. You know, to be honest with you, Virginia Tech hasn't had a really good team in six or seven years, mm-hmm. but the really good Virginia Tech teams were always led by the ground game, yeah. and that was their identity. And it kind of forged away a little bit over the past couple of years to the point where I don't know what the identity of this tech team is. Yeah. You know, where's the Bud Foster big time defense that we're used to? You know, it's a really young defense, but at least the past couple of weeks, you know, the past four weeks, 49, 31, 52, 38 points allowed. When you think when you think of vintage Virginia Tech, you think of good defense, you think of special teams that change the game. You think of an offense that is running heavily, yeah, right. But this team, and you said it, you know, they don't really have an identity. Their mm-hmm. defense is not great. You, you you can still say Beamer Ball whenever they do something on def- on special teams, but like they're not known for their special teams anymore. It's I mean, not that like, was three years ago. Yeah, and their quarterback is not anything really special. You know, he has he almost has two thousand yards. He has 17 touchdowns, six interceptions, but he's a backup, mm-hmm. and he was not expected to play this year at all. So they they don't really have an identity. I think. Yeah. I I think it's getting to them too. Well, I think I think the transition we're seeing is Tech has kind of lost a little bit of their identity at least mm-hmm. this season. You know, Virginia I feel like is starting to establish. You know, they mm-hmm. want to be a running team. 
you know, you couldn't really do that as much under, with Kurt Ben Kurt under center, right. but they obviously want to be a running team. You want to have the quarterback kind of yeah, leader. and the defense is going to be physical, and yeah. it's going to be hard nose, and it's going to hit you in the mouth. And even with the backup players, there might be holes to run through mm-hmm. that might not have been there at the start of the season, but the physicality is there, and the same mindset even in the secondary is there. Yeah. And I mean, we talk about trends. I think that's a very obvious one. Virginia's starting to forge an identity a little bit people Mm -hmm. are starting to know what they think about when they think about playing uva with virginia tech you know what what are you scared of right now and that's a question that i can't really answer looking at them this season yeah the only thing i'm scared of is ourselves (laughs) (laughs) and that's a typical uva mindset for a fan to have you know is how is uva gonna blow it this time (laughs) and but i don't feel that this year and this year, I'm confident. I'm confident in this team. I know we're going to do our best. And I, I can't say, I physically cannot say if we're going to win or lose because I, I don't want to do that. But <laughs> I believe in this team, and I believe that they're going to take care of business in Blacksburg this year. Well, let's let's start looking a little bit at this. What do we think are the keys to the game? What, what has to happen for Virginia to win? I think the most important key to the game is focus. And we're talking about mentality. We're talking about don't make stupid mistakes. I think turnovers are going to be big. Penalties are going to be big. Keeping those to a minimum is really, really important for this team to be successful in Blacksburg. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at this, and I guess it's kind of twofold. I think one, you know, starts with the run game. Mm -hmm. Bryce Perkins has 730 yards this season. Ellis has 868 yards. But what really stood out to me with Bryce Perkins is that when you remove all the sack yardage, he's rushed for 976 yards this season, mm-hmm. You know, on which also blew my mind, 173 attempts. He mm-hmm. has just four less attempts than Jordan Ellis. Yeah. But to me, Bryce Perkins is the absolute key, you know, mm-hmm. on the ground game and through the air, you know, he's not great, you know throwing the ball it's not sexy by any means but he's completing 65 percent of his passes ryan willis is only 59 percent of his passes yeah so you like that matchup and then on defense i think if you can get two interceptions i think you win the turnover battle i think you have to win the turnover battle Mm -hmm. but i think if you can intercept ryan willis twice Mm -hmm. like really the first time i'd be like oh maybe that was a fluke the second time let him know you're there Mm -hmm. and i think that i think that plays into the whole mentality thing i think two interceptions on ryan willis and i think you're in their heads and i think it's the opposite this year i think virginia tech is the team that people should be looking about thinking about will they collapse rather than virginia one thing that the other thing i'm looking for is can we get a pass rush and that's been something that we've talked about at at nauseum over the past couple weeks is our defensive line is like kind of shot this year you know Mm -hmm. But can we get a pass rush on their backup quarterback? Can we make him feel pressure? Can we get him uncomfortable? Let's try that and then let our defensive backs do work. And so you, that, that's what I'm looking and for. And you know, that's going to come from the linebackers. Yeah. It has to come from the linebackers. Chris Peace and Charles Snowden. Yeah. Which Snowden, I actually thought Snowden would have a much higher sack total than he has. And he only has like two or so sacks on the year. But mm-hmm. he's been impactful and really maybe even more impactful against the run than the pass. But yeah. then. The pass rush specialists they bring in, you know, Elliot Brown and Mac Am, they're going to get their run at the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a big, big deal. Rob, the spread is three for Virginia. Who are you taking on the spread? Do you take over or under? You know, it's one of these things where we I said before. We, we don't talk gambling enough on this pod. We need it, to start. <laughs> I mean, it'd be fun. It'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> but I've told myself. I told myself to start the year, I'd never pick Virginia to beat Virginia Tech until it actually happened. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the safe thing to do here, but I don't, this is a game Virginia absolutely should win. Yeah. I mean, I think smart money's on Virginia. I would take the over, honestly. Like, I think Virginia should win and, you know, probably buy more. Maybe we're talking 10 points here. Mm-hmm. It's just the rivalry factor. We don't know what that's The rivalry factor, you, like, you know, you hear people say, throw throw everything out, nothing matters. Like, it does matter. <laughs> throw but, out the record books. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Baby. <laughs> uh, anyway, we the rivalry game definitely adds something. ESPN acknowledges that, you know, they have the matchup predictor on ESPN has Tech favored to win 50.1% to UVA's 49.9%. It's mm-hmm. basically even. 
They have no idea who's going to win. Yeah. Well, you have to take into account, too, that line also takes into account the three-point mm-hmm. home field advantage yeah. that Virginia Tech gets. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It kills me to say this because I'm scared I'm just going to jinx us. Yeah, but me too. That's why I didn't say anything. Virginia should win this game. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm on record. Virginia should win this game, and I All think right. it is absolutely important that Virginia wins this well, game. Hopefully, when we do our pod after Thanksgiving, it, we will be a happy happy guys or not, and not sad guys. So no prediction from you, is that right? I'm not doing a prediction. All right. I'm going to watch the game. I'm going to let... Yeah. <laughs> I'm so bad. Like I think that I have an influence over the game. I'm gonna be in Chicago. I'm gonna be sitting in a certain position and not move for four hours because I think that I have an influence on the game if I move my arm. Right? That's dumb. And so I'm trying to be better about that and not and not make myself feel like I have an influence on the game. But I'm not. I'm still not gonna say anything. I'm not there yet. Um, my I think thirty-one seventeen. I think Virginia wins thirty-one seventeen. All right. Okay. I think they. I like it. I think it's they're going to be able to move the ball. I enjoy your prediction. I've got. It. I'm I acknowledge shoot your prediction. In the foot if we lose this game, <laughs> it's going to be your fault. <laughs> anyway, uh, Rob, is there anything else you want to talk about for football, or do you want to give some yells? I think, I think we just give some yells. All right, let's give some yells. My yell goes out to the women's basketball team and Tina Thompson for their first win this season over Old Dominion. This is Tina Thompson's first win as the UVA head coach. So congrats to her, congrats to the ladies. I'm looking for them. This is more of a rebuilding year, I think, but I'm excited for her, and I'm excited to see where that program goes over the next couple of years. Yeah, and I'll give my yells to the Virginia men's and women's soccer teams. You know, great teams. They always play well. Uh, men's soccer had a 2-0 win against Furman, so they're going to move ahead into the next round. That was in the second round. Uh so they'll move ahead. They're going to face Notre Dame in uh, the third round. They're going to be traveling to South Bend. So best of luck to the men's soccer team. Women's soccer team, as we're talking, is currently playing. They beat Texas Tech on Friday. And at the time we're recording, they're in a 1-1 tie in the first half against Baylor. So best of luck to those teams. You know, tremendous success while Dustin and I were still in school. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they keep it going. Yeah, hopefully they pull it out. But... I think that's all for us tonight. So make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Snapchat at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Podbean or iTunes and subscribe if you want to keep hearing this podcast. And we will see you guys next week. Beat Tech. Beat baby. Tech. And Middle Tennessee State. Mostly and Wisconsin. Tech. Mostly Tech. <laughs>